everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. And you are welcome along. Uh, we have four weeks of Premier Division action in and an awful lot to talk about. Uh, welcome along to the show today in association with Future Tickling Porterhouse Brew. We've actually two uh, people that are going to be very, very happy today because we um, were so professional. We actually forgot to mention the winner last week, but we did draw his name. So the Porterhouse Brew winner did win a collection of four lovely brews from the Porterhouse, and there'll be another one this week. And if you go to Collar and Cuff Dan, you could possibly celebrate um, your Porterhouse Brew victories by getting a lovely suit, and you'll get a free shirt and tie right. courtesy of Decky. Well, this is it. I mean, Chatlam is up next week, so do you know the old expression to lose your shirt? If you did mm. our deal with Collar and Cuff, you, <laughs> you won't. won't. Unless you sort of well, lost you have to buy a suit, obviously, but still, the pub you afterwards yeah, or something. Well, that's yeah. But listen, that um, deal just. Go and mention LOI Central and Collar and Cuff. I drove past on the way here today. What's the um, most random thing you've lost on a night out? Like, you, well, apart from dignity, obviously. Yeah, many um, times. Um, we, yeah. I've actually a reasonably good record for not losing stuff on a night out. You know the way like, some people are like a disaster for it? Like, there's a mm. friend of mine. We have a mutual friend who's lost, lost more phones than. than I think it, like, he calls customer care and it's like, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even. It doesn't matter who again. It doesn't matter who he's true to. Like, yeah. he was the person that the, the find your iPhone service was identified for this. Uh, <laughs> he was like the case study as, as to why the market research was tested I don't know what the most random thing I lost was um, I, I was um, I, my, I'd be very bad with people with shades like so uh, oh yeah I, I just, that's it, a very common problem it I is suppose. but it's, you just don't and why you are you wearing wear, shades in a nightclub because you didn't go home like you were at a, I was at a game we'll say in, I was at a Gaelic football game Galway and Kildare in Newbridge it was like it was a sunny day wore the shades but never bring a nice pair of shades anywhere that involves you drinking simple as just don't it's not worth it I've lost like so many nice pairs and these were really nice pair of shades and so weird so Daniel Flynn who's now possibly one of the best footballers in Ireland was sent off for Kildare which is if you bear with me, is part of the story. Kildare lost the game and they were knocked out of the championship. That was grand. We had a few points in Newbridge and then we went back to Cassidy's in, in, on Cannon Street. And I, I don't know how this happened and I don't remember meeting him at all, but I was on Daniel Flynn's shoulders, right? And Daniel Flynn shouldn't have been celebrating at all. He shouldn't have been in Dublin and he certainly shouldn't have had me in when his shoulders. When Sorry. When Galway played Kildare... Two two summers ago. All right, go on. Sorry. Three summers ago. I just wanted to put some context on it. Three sorry. summers ago, because of again, not COVID. everyone on the show is in your mind and knows when all of these games took place. Ah, uh, you go. It doesn't. Really, it's not that important when it, when it happened. Anyway, so uh, he he was like, I was like, this is why am I on Daniel Flynn show? I don't even know him. Like, I don't even remember meeting him. And then um, he took my shades off and gave them to his mate as a kind of a joke, and I never saw them again. And now I found Daniel Flynn's number and I was like, sorry, this is Johnny. I don't know if you remember meeting me, but um, commiserations on getting sent off. You know, it was a, was a red card, to be fair. <laughs> By the way, um, you took my shades, yada, yada, never got them back. And I've never bought an expensive pair since. I might even have did bought he, Did he reply? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did. He just, I don't think he had any recollection of what I was talking about. Um, but it did happen. <laughs> it did happen. <laughs> it's so bizarre though. Like, Why is this on your mind again? And so what was the context? Um, it lose your, your shirt. shirt like a ah, Chelkin, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, in, on today's show, we've Jim Crawford coming up um who's obviously the Ireland 21 manager uh, and I, I, it's going to be very interesting to hear his views we got an awful lot of reaction um on twitter as to questions to ask jim dan said to me oh put up a like put up a, a notice of jim on the show tomorrow and i put up this like reflective kind of tweet you put up, you put up a christmas card or, <laughs> no, it wasn't a christmas card talking like, about the past it was like a, it was like an instagram post uh, put up by a life coach it yeah. was like it was a, sort of a it was Living an my best artistic life. shot of jim crawford going gonna talk something about the yeah. past and, and maybe then, a better future and then you did uh, what's that mean you said listen you didn't 
even put any reference to like send in some questions and in fairness there were an avalanche and there was the mailbag Dan at which we'll get to shortly but we will will we give away our prizes now we should well last yeah. week's winner to be clear we've already done last week's voice last yeah. week but the, the winner of the, the brews last week was, was Patrick Tully. Patrick Tully, congratulations. Was that, but that was for the Mark Rossiter voice. Now, right? this, this was, was the voice, week's. this was the voice uh, last week. Roxanne, you don't have to put on a red light. Roxanne, you don't have to put on a red light. Again, that was fairly straightforward for me, but again, like not everyone knows Greg Bulger, and it was Greg no, Bulger. I think we have to stop approaching these things from the from this point of view of what's straightforward for you because generally to get someone to send you a WhatsApp audio of them doing a slightly embarrassing song lyric you'd probably be familiar enough with them to know their voice mm. do you know what I mean do you reckon would Stephen Kenny do it if we asked him uh, I'd say <laughs> you probably could get him to do it that'd yeah. be hilarious no. <laughs> especially if he did like a kind of a song version of it just to make it a bit more difficult um, no, no. do you know like because it was he's a fairly distinct voice will we try and get him for next week's show and then it's a giveaway we'll, well, it's we'll, Stephen we'll get him on with Michael D won't we yeah, yeah. Michael, Michael D Michael D is like the metro north of this show to be yeah. honest it's like <laughs> it's you know, never going to happen we've had him since series one two and you're like oh, I know a fellow says you know it's going to be done or whatever it's just like where is it where is it? Well, actually, Michael D would be at Go United Games and he probably would do it if you came up to him at halftime and said, listen, Michael... No, hang on. You, you, two years ago, we were going to the Aris and getting the red carpet treatment. Mm. Now you're on about doorstep. we got the red card. What happened? Like, uh, you, you did your photograph with him in Galway last year where looked it looked like a Muslim takeover. It, it looked like the, the, exactly a sort of Muslim brotherhood day out, mm. you know, and you were sort of sat in a very nice sort of pose. But what happened? Have you, I have don't you know. Some, I have think you somehow the, managed to... I'll get on to him again. We've had a good start to the season. He's in good form, and say, although he probably has some issues with the Ukraine and some things he has to worry about. But we, we I haven't given up on it. I haven't given up on it. You haven't given up. It's not up that easy to get the president on the League well, of Ireland podcast. I'm just saying, but you came in here. It's like a big election promise. You he know? said he'd do it. He said he would do it. Like it's like well, what, many politicians have said things they didn't do. And wh- you know? when did he say he would do it? Um, the night of the Muslim Brotherhood takeover. <laughs> right. When was that? That was and, like last. And have you followed up oh. on it? Uh, yeah, I've sent, I've sent a few emails. Not available on this particular date. Not available on this particular date. Please stop sending emails to the president. <laughs> okay, that, that, that bit didn't happen. Um, but he used to Why go... Why did you add me as a friend on Facebook? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I should have consoled him when his dog passed away or something. I don't know. I, Was I, dog I, passed away? I, like a long time ago. But I, I've, I've work to do on, on Michael D. Where are we in the show, Dan? Is it time for... The, the mailbag. Morag mailbag. And there are no letters in the mailbox. And we, we very nearly didn't announce the winner. Connor and Cuff, um, Future Ticketing and Port Arrows Brew, we are actually a very good, reliable partner in all of these things. Um, imagine if we went two weeks without announcing Are you a reliable partner? No. I, <laughs> <laughs> some very interesting media coverage last week of our Mark Scanlon interview, by the way. Um, and the fact that, uh, yeah. What are you referencing there? Uh, there was, there was. From who? I have to give Pat Dolan some kudos as well. He he, he was so unbelievably um, trying can, can we name the winner first? Sorry, who's the winner? Pat, bear with me for a minute. <laughs> um, the winner of uh, this week's Porterhouse Brew Four Beers is Noel O'Dulcanty. Um, it's a proper Irish name that Noel O'Dulcanty, who replied on Twitter. Noel, uh, we'll be in touch with your prize. Pat Dolan. So Pat Dolan referenced the Mark Scanlon interview without naming the podcast, but he was on about us. But then he said um, 
so I was, I was, I was, I was in Turner's Cross, and uh, what an amazing performance by John Caulfield's goal United, and you know Watford did well as well, and it was quite clear after the weekend that it's a two horse race between Cork and Watford. I said, like, well, hang on a sec, we we've gone to Cork and won, we're shorter than them in the betting anyway, and it's a two horse race. So I don't know what's he what's he getting at? Are you suggesting that Pat is using his column in some way to? <sighs> To, to make Pass, the truth kind of is point. out there and we'd I, love I just, to have you on that's, uh, that's a ridiculous accusation and I want you to retract that we'd love to have you on the podcast Pat and I hope you're at the game on Friday because halftime go United season was effectively over and now it's back on again after an amazing second half I really do want to talk about that game in due course but Dan well, it's, it's mean, a more mailbag you know, if we'd gone to the mailbag I mean we, we put the thing out to the mailbag and what did the people want to talk about Johnny they didn't want to talk about Galway and Waterford at all. Not any response about that. We've got absolute stacks. 3,000 at the game. Uh, yeah, stacks of people on about the Finn Harps and Bowes game. That was like the, uh, I mean, the sort of the, 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 the lion's share of the messages related to that. You know, great turnout at uh, Phil at 50, great turnout at Finn Park, extra kudos given the Baltic temperatures. Bowes didn't get their game going, got lured into a physical battle by Harps, and that's how Harps like it. Boyle using the darks, dark arts throughout, absolutely zero on the challenge that Promise was sent off for. There was a lot on this. Like, I'm not going to read out every message, but, you know, uh, Gerald Lossley, the second red from the ref, was the most incredibly bad decision. And the reaction of the Finn Harps player was very poor. As soon as the Bose lad was sent off, he jumped straight up. Another Harps player is telling ref to book him. Disgraceful, in my opinion. This is the Promise. People will have seen this, I think. Well, the, I think... It, yeah. was, it, was a, it was an aggressive challenge, but I don't think it was a, um, it was a yellow card. Our, our regular listener, yeah. Dodge, uh, spoke about this in balls.e. And this is the point, right? You can give out all you want about referees, but if you do what Nathan Boyle did and clearly made an absolute meal of everything, like made a meal of it, like you're, you're right back, you were challenged in the air, like, and you essentially looked like you tried to get him sent off. Let's be honest here. And he got sent off. And Dane McGrath, the referee, gave a lot of yellow cards, which was talked about a lot, but apparently he's quite low on the regular yellow card count in the league but this game obviously Where got a little you, bit out of hand that from? Um, another listener to the show actually um, who may or may not want to be the league tally, league he does a tally of all the yellow cards and reds given by um, one of the members of the other Three Amigos podcast we'll, we'll, we'll give him a, a plug there but um, yeah I, I, I don't like players trying to guess uh, Richie Towell was at it last year when he was fouled by Alex Murphy who was oh, on I've a yellow this, and yeah. made this squeal in front of like I, I, why would you try this to get players sent off like that I, I just maybe it's professional well, it what do you think Dan perhaps you, do you think it, yeah, but, but if you're not, you're not even fouled in the situation of promise like it was no I mean I, I, I'm not saying I like it do you like want to get him sent off I'm not like, saying I like it would you do it as a player I'm not saying I like it would you, would you, do you think it's okay to try to get somebody sent off when it was not a yellow card I don't well I, I don't think you're it's not Lewis Suarez here, I don't think it's the right thing to do but I mean are you going to get what if your team gets done by it the previous week and you're like well hang but on but this is what about we though like it's, it's not true, two, two wrongs make right Lisa they don't but I, but I think the whole point is that and this is always the issue with simulation and broader issues within the sport like if there's a strong stance taken uh, against people who are seen to be doing that then it, then it gradually starts to discourage it you know what I mean? Strong stance instead of, in terms of like social media or actually like reprimanded well, from above. Yeah. I, I think it's more reprimanding from above, but I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously it's a vague very, area. It's very vague area because then you'll have, you'll have a case where someone is genuinely mm. injured and they go down and like, I don't know. I, I mean, I think like this is a, one of the most, in many respects, most 
unoriginal football debates you can have. Like, mm. oh, isn't it, isn't it terrible that this happens? It does happen. Like, we've loads of messages about refereeing here. Like, a lot, I'm, I'm, like we really appreciate the feedback. We're not going to through every single one, but there's a lot of references to the refereeing standards in the league, uh, the card happiness. I mean, I would have done a big piece on this last year. Mm. There would have been a view that certainly... Uh, and from chatting to people to try and get a sort of balanced appraisal of the situation, there would be a view here that referees, assessors in this country would be quite by the book. Mm. Um, and as a result, referees might sometimes feel under pressure that if they don't apply, um, you know, a, a particular way of doing things, uh, this is more to do with technical area, area punishment of officials, but I think it probably extends to other areas too. Um, and there's a feeling here that the referees have to sort of follow uh, the guidance or else they'll be marked down and, and maybe, I don't know, in other jurisdictions is there a more common sense approach or not? You know, I mean, I know there's a real issue around just the actual training level um, that, mm. you know, a lot of the better referees have stepped away in recent years for various reasons and there maybe isn't talent coming through um, and that might just tally with some of the criticisms. I, I mean, the, uh, the Ethan Boyle one, I don't know. I mean, I, but you do end up in the realms of what about you? Like mm. again, like, does anyone think this is great? I don't think so. But is anyone going to? Is any manager going to send his team out and say, "Well, don't do that"? Uh, probably not. No, because if the referees in this league are inclined to be taken in by it, then you you have to look for that marginal game where you can get it. I can't have that at all. Like it's a game. Of, it's a game of sport. Like you don't don't but behave it, like. But how long would you last as a manager if you said that in the dressing room? Do you think? But. I mean, I, I don't know. Would, would Dolly Horgan condone that sort of thing? I'm, I'm speculating here. I'm talking out loud. But oh, like, yeah, I'd say, would you? I, I just, I don't see that Boy, as Why, just because he's an old, a bit old school, you think he wouldn't, you think well, he, he'd, he'd be against it? I should be, everyone, no much wear gloves do, either do, and all do you this. Remember, do you remember when, um, was it, we, we had a Latvian team of referees for Rovers Pats game there yeah. about four years ago, and I was at that game, and... Like, this was like uh, something out of a war zone. It was literally, everything was like... Probably inappropriate at the moment. Yeah, but it's not, well, it's not yet that part of the world. But yeah, I was thinking of that, but it's, it, it, they're from the Balkans, right? The, the, the No, the Baltics. The Baltics, sorry, Dan. Balkans often, would be... Often make that mistake. The war we had in the 90s. But anyway, so everything, like, everything was let go. And uh, I remember Stephen Bradley saying after the game, that was great, wasn't it? And I was like, what? He loved it. So I was like, maybe managers actually like the physical stuff. They'd much prefer... Oh, they do until, Less yellow cards. Well, I don't know. I mean, there was a bad tackle on Sean Kavanagh last year that Stephen Bradley didn't enjoy at all. So, mm. I mean... You know, you, you can put you can put a stock on, on post match manager comments and, and apply them to a mm. situation. The game is the game, Do you know. Like I don't, I don't. The game is the game. How does that mean? I mean that we've reached a point where, um, you know, should players dive? Uh, probably not. You know, but if they feel a contact, what do you do? Do you stay on your feet? What happens if you stay on your feet and don't go down? Your manager will slot you afterwards and say you should have gone down. I tell them to fuck off. Like I mean, I don't. I'm not going to do that. Like manager's not going to dictate to me. If manager says to you, you should sledge him in terms of like something that happened in his in his past. No. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to listen to my manager if he if he says stuff that I don't agree with. Maybe that's why I'm actually lack of talent. But anyway, you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> You're a wild card. Well, we did um, a few comments about your own performance last week. Now that you mentioned it, Rory in Dublin too. Johnny has taken the soup. He was more vociferous in his defence of the FEI than Scanlon. This is on the. Oh yeah, right. This is on last week's uh, performance. On the, you got very passionate about the the defending the FEI's seven euro stance. It was pointed out. 
you know I, we've got a lot of feedback last week some very positive feedback about Mark Scanlon uh, most of which you seem to retweet off the account which I thought was interesting as well too well I want a job with the FBI yeah it's just slow you know, what did slow. you say if I get a job in the FBI communications team shoot me or something take like me that. outside and shoot me I, no. I mean I feel bad about that because I don't want a job the FBI. I feel bad about that because um, maybe I do you know there are some people in the FBI communications that um, I have a good time for and you know they want the game to improve I was more so making the general point that uh, I thought know, it was the, deeply hard I was more so making the general point that the idea that any sort of football journalist would aspire to wanting to work for communications I mean this is actually all that's wrong with journalism in this country at the moment that you have political journalists and people who are meant to be holding something to account and then they hop the other side of the fence and they're basically like okay. using their experience to engage so to me well, it's actually a mortal insult to suggest you would ever even want to do that well, well it's, it's, but, it's, but anyway, it's, it's actually ridiculous you say that given the pearls that journalism is in at the moment that somebody wouldn't take a very very no, safe no. reliable job in a communications department when journalism is fucked like so I, I totally see why someone would do that. I, I see. I see. Listen. I see. Most people would aspire to it. Actually, I see, well, my point is, most people would aspire to it because it means they have a steady job, like with a pension or whatever. None of which I have. Yeah. And, and I'm doing well. Like, I'm yeah. actually doing well. Like, genuinely, journalism is... Johnny, you're not wearing any shoes. <laughs> Look at him, he's wearing a belt. Um, yeah, we're not... Journalism is not in a good way, so anyway... I, I was also explaining my context point. This is going to be another two-hour show. I don't ever want to... I mean, it just yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't be for me. PR PR is just about, like, making other people look good. I don't understand why anyone wants to do it. Like, you know, just, because you get paid. Oh, but, like, so what? To, make, to, put, to put someone else in the pedestal, even if you mightn't even believe they're that good in the first place. I can't think of a worst thing to do you have to put out press releases on behalf of people that might not even be that good but mm. you have to come out and defend them all the time I just think that's a horrible way to live I know but you, you get personally, paid personally I just can't think about it. Yeah, well it's fine you get paid but are you happy you can like, also, that's the question well, you, you can know? also spin anyway, stories from but within I will point there are some people in communications who like who are career communications professionals mm. that's absolutely fine or people who think they can help Irish football by going in there and pushing like you know women's football or some things they need to put on. I'm just saying that yeah, just saying yeah. generally okay, from my perspective move on. I can't think of anything worse You've completely steered the topic from you taking the soup. What was the story with your, like, you're I've, very I've been paid for two gigs with the FAI and... Uh, you haven't, you haven't addressed, but you haven't were, even been paid Why yet, were you more... <laughs> I mean, come on. Me if you were in communications, you'd be paid by now. Yeah. Um, God, the... Yeah. Yeah, let's not even go there. There's, let's no, not, money, no, no. there's no money in this Let, game. Let's anymore, not go then. there. Let's not go there. Um, and then why I were you more, why were you more, vo- why were you more vocal in your defense of the, the seven euro? Like, we got a lot of feedback. People aren't buying that. People are, pardon the pun. People aren't, People aren't buying Motley. There was, in fact, I think Ronald McCarthy said he supported Mark's stance on the season passes. He understood the explanation. There was probably, I would say, the greater volume of feedback would be more still not convinced about it oh, yeah, I, and I, suspect I, that you know when the, would they review that in the future I, uh, I yeah, still think yeah. the idea of a larger premium on the season pass would that have worked you can debate it mm. I, what, the one, thing I, one thing I do actually understand about Mark's point and I do probably agree with it you're, you're at this base where okay try it for a year but I just hope that if the lessons of the year are learned as such they're not afraid to go back and, yeah. and, and, and reintroduce it because you know there was a big thing in the FAI passed around 10-11 years ago where you know they made mistakes around pricing and the refusal to admit they got something wrong took yeah, them a long yeah. way down the road now um, this I, is not well, even 
0.001% as serious as that was. I, I but think I'm just Mark saying did, it's something they could probably look at doing. I, I think Mark did well last week. I'm not sure I agree with some of the stuff he said about buying season tickets versus season passes and other stuff like that, but it's nothing to do with me having done bits for the FBI. I know, Johnny. I mean, listen, five euro for a game or seven euro for a game. Absolutely. You haven't taken the soup. Albeit. You haven't even got the soup. No. To be clear. No soup is Soup kitchen, right. more like. Soup okay. kitchen. All right. Because uh, there was a few responses to the ter- tier three permit proposal as well. Um, and again, I think Andy McNulty messaged in and said, we're not closer to getting information, but at least Mark gave some idea of the plan going forward. 2023 is very ambitious, but at least there's a plan. And that's fair enough. The one thing we didn't talk about last week, and I mean, we really regret talking about it, or not talking about it, was the issue of, uh, I suppose, crowd disturbances around games. Um, both, I mean, there's two grades to this, right? flares and pyrotechnics is probably one end of it but then you see, you see footage again I think outside the Sligo Dundalk game at the weekend of sort of little episodes mm-hmm. and you know we're seeing them you know Felix McElhone I think the league will struggle to grow without a collective strategy to reduce violence outside matches from a dairy perspective I wonder if it would be worth having uniformed police in the ground seeing someone being punched in the head on the pitch isn't good for growth that would have been a reference to the Derry Rovers um game the week before where there was like a little sort of mini thing on the pitch it just wasn't captured by um i think maybe one phone one phone video sort of mm. maybe was what was out there mm. um and we had a few other references um around that as well um i don't know i mean like i, I think this general issue is a difficult one because some of it is just societal right you know it's like definitely post pandemic like, like you know you like you know the pats bows thing in the cup final last year I saw some people say you wouldn't see this happen. I don't know. Like you go around Dublin at night now, mm. you know, and particularly when we come out of pandemic initially, there is an edge there, yeah. right? But but in saying that, you can't also deny that sometimes football is a vehicle that people can latch onto. And mm. I think clubs can control what happens within their grounds. Can they held? Can they be held that much accountable for what goes on on the streets around uh, to a point? But. I don't know, like sometimes, and I, I would have done this before, and I'm sure you have as well, you'd actually get offended by the riot police being outside the games, the mounted horses, you'd be like, this portrays, look at this portrays our mm. fans as as animals, and yet, you see stuff happening outside grounds, and you think, crap, is this what is this what you need? Now, like sometimes, you know, the, the, the lack of modern facilities is an issue, like on Tala on Friday, now just um, sold out there it's just sold out uh, I know there's a few issues with the away allocation but that will be sold out anyway generally in recent years and someone can correct me if I'm wrong um, I think there was an issue with Santa Cup game and stuff but generally the, the away fans getting in at Atala works reasonably well and they do need an escort from the Lewis and all of this and it's, it's it requires work and I'm guessing it costs money and it's an operation that needs stuff put into place but if you have a modern facility it's easier to manage the access in and out yeah. but some of our grounds are in very sort of residential areas with little yeah. pokey roads and it's easy to get at buses and people leaving grounds but I don't know like I saw you know some big, you know people referencing you know drugs and sort of a lot of you know, habits have been a big talking point in England recently. Uh, violence is just creeping up again. Mm. Is this just a little offshoot of it? Uh, no, I, I, I think it is. I think it's a post-pandemic um, reaction that maybe people weren't expecting. But it's fairly obvious. There have been a fair few instances. Like, and um, I, I'm not really sure. I know you, you can't even necessarily say the clubs can control what the fans can do inside the ground because you can't stop somebody throwing a coin either. Do you know what I mean? It's just, that's not feasible. Um, no, but you have to, I think if that happens within the ground, you probably have to take the... The, the requisite You, you have to take the, yeah. the action. Like, I think, you know, maybe at times... Uh, 
and again, it's very hard, right? And like I said, you try and talk about this, and you do end up in Waterbury territory. You know, I I refuse to believe that it's not possible to identify, you know, some of the people that are involved in stuff around the grounds. Mm. And are there instances, you know, particularly like I don't know, it was very clearly identifiable the Derry Rovers one recently, for example. Mm. You know, like the two Rovers fans on the pitch, Derry people on the pitch. I don't want to get into this. Oh, who did this? That I don't. I'm not going down that road. But I'm saying that. I don't know. May, maybe subsequently, the actions have been taken against people. I just haven't heard it. You know, there was a there was a Rovers tweet that night. You know, uh, thanks to each and every one of you who travelled to the game, and it's like, well, I'd yeah. say maybe not. Maybe a couple of you, but you you could you could you could extend it. You, know, you could extend that anyway. And like, certainly, didn't Dawkins Sligo one look like there was bad eggs on both sides on Saturday uh, and you can you can go down the Bose missiles. I mean, we had actually, we had actually had Bose fans in touch about. Um, stuff being thrown at Antwerp Breslin you know so it's not a case mm. of people just look at the fans of the club I don't like you know there's a bit of internal so I don't know I think if you, you know. effectively lock people into their own houses to a greater or lesser extent for a long time and they come out and then and they engage in like you know having a lot of drinks possibly drugs in, in occasions like this people people have been affected clearly like because it, it's definitely a trend it's yeah it's definitely a trend. <laughs> no, cocaine as well I mean like and, and as I said that's a reflection of like a lot of weekend nights in cities now as well mm. too and as I said football is just it has a certain like in a way the League of Ireland games are becoming events now we're mm. relishing that that the crowds are up they're attracting crowds it's still predominantly no matter what we, way we look at it it's predominantly groups of young men that are going to the game and as a result you 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 attract more of the the culture that comes with what young yeah, groups of young men do now with it, um, but I, I, I suppose we may have to accept, um, you know, greater security around certain games. I don't really categorise games as you know, sort of mm. does category one and two, whatever it is. They, they you know, you're not going to have a big police Robert force to be on alert for, 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 for UCD away. But I think my point is that in Tala, I do think mm. it's generally has worked quite well yeah. in recent years because they have a modern stadium yeah. and people aren't, you know. Tala's remoteness in a certain way mm. it's next to a dual carriageway is very different to a ground when you come out into streets and yeah, sort of yeah. estates and stuff like that so anyway um, I suppose it's it's on the it's on the verge of becoming an even bigger talking point I think if there is one or two flashpoints I hope it doesn't happen but I feel like it's sort of inevitable that there is going to be more um, a lot of messages about pitches um, Stephen O'Donnell Kenny Carroll really, really, uh, yeah but the Sligo pitch I mean yeah. I think Joe McGuire who's a Sligo Rovers fan who I think did put it quite well it's a sad state of affairs when Dundalk could complain about the state of your pitch I mean it is true I mean how many games does the pitch in Oriel enhance it doesn't really enhance any but mm. it does appear that the pitch in Sligo was particularly bad um, we uh, we care we care to you hashtag I mean we, you know Twitter we can't really ask everyone to use their real names on Twitter but uh, it is the weather it hits harder in the northwest. clubs preserve their pitch throughout Christmas with mild conditions in December and January this year then get hit with terrible weather at the end of pre-season it's unfortunate um, there was a few references to that from, from various people you know Kenny Carroll so much emphasis on coaching which is great but nothing on playing surfaces Tala Carpenter every week Pat's immaculate on Friday but the culture needs to change state of the art stadiums get pitch sorted lower leagues in England can do it um, Brendan to pitch in Sligo first game of the season makes Oriel look like Wembley I'm sorry for Sligo players and fans looking to a season playing on that dunk playing weather this is Ireland 
design and build accordingly. Uh, it's not as straightforward as that. First Strange, of all, just like it would have been the one yeah. that you would never, you would yeah. have actually been hailing the surface. I don't, I I don't know like what went on with the showgrounds, but we're in apocalyptic weather. Like the climate apocalypse is is now. We've had amazingly bizarre weather over the last month or so, and I don't know how challenging it is. It rains an awful lot in the northwest as it is. I don't know what happened with that pitch. Um, I doubt the pitch in Finn Park is unbelievable either. For example, no, there was a few references to that as well too. Um, um, maybe are more people more conditioned to the harps pitch being challenging I, mm. I don't know but the the Sligo one as you said Stephen O'Donnell's comments were, were, were quite strong um, and you know we could, we could do without that you know Mark Murphy how much of a loss is Joey O'Brien to the Rovers back line I mean he is although I suppose there were signs towards the end last year that age was catching up on yeah. him but yeah the idea of losing someone like him mm. is a problem we haven't really mentioned like they did His lose leadership as well like. they did lose to St. Pat's we're dealing with mm. a lot of issues here we're not necessarily dealing with the results you know like Rovers did lose to St. Pat's you know they've lost two away games in a row where last season they started off winning lots of um, winning lots of points at the start of the season late mm. in marginal games they have lost two yeah they, they, How many more can they afford to lose? You well, know? And the beauty of this league is as well, there are very, very few games that are like uh, bankers and like they go straight from that into Bowes uh, who've... Uh, don't fear overs full stop on Friday night. What an amazing game that is. Could be um, great. I think Promise being out is a big loss though mm. because I think, um, I think when you have that type of presence that can engage Lopez and engage that Rovers back three, look, it's a great weapon so they'll have to do something different without him like what do you I know the junior or Ryan Cassidy mm. can, you know, can will he, they will they will they're very good on the counter bows like will they try something mm. you know to sit in and break and, and try and pull a sort of tactical rabbit out of the hat but like you know promise would have been very effective against them in the the derby at the end of last season albeit it was semi-dead rubber territory but no they, they don't yeah. have a recourse or an ability to like appeal that's um, red no, you can't. You can't appeal yellow cards. Yellow cards, and then like, there's no real, there's no real history of red cards being overturned in recent years. This is one of Mark Bertram's big thing as well. Um, the I, I, do of, I think. The I think in the Irish league you can appeal, and he'll be granted the next game full stop, more or less. Right? It's, it's a little bit the other way. Well, here the automatic in the next game stands no matter what. Like the automatic in the next game stands even if it was apparent that the player was like in a different county at yeah. the time. Yeah, look, it still stands. Uh, it's questionable because we, we do have procedures of everything now pretty much you know yeah no the disciplinary procedures in this league probably do need mm. uh, a review now i know at the moment they're working on say getting greater representation of ex-players on panels and stuff like mm. that so i think they're, they're trying to address aspects of it but definitely it does feel like the and i think mark did reference the participation agreement last week i think they need to look at some of the disciplinary stuff here mm. sometimes with friday to monday games you know if you want to get something overturned over the weekend i understand why there would be complications but you know, you need to find a better way with some of this. Uh, Al Ty made a reference to Shells. I just saw Shells and Derry on Friday. I'm um, struggling to see where the goals will come from. They can move the ball forward well, but it generally breaks down. Uh, the young Welsh keeper isn't good for the nerves either. I'm not sure why Brendan Clark hasn't been given an opportunity. I will say, in fairness to Webb, I mean, maybe he wasn't great for the goal. I thought his overall performance was better on Friday. Mm. But, but Shells just didn't look like... Um, they, scoring. they didn't look like scoring at all. Moylan went off, but they went for almost an extra defensive midfielder. I mean, with Coyle and Dervin, you have a certain base. We went McManus as well, too. Didn't look like... Uh, it was the first time watching them going, right? I saw them twice in the last week and, and haven't scored in either game. They haven't really created many chances, you mm. know? So, 
Yeah, I think you know Shells have got a bit of they have bit, bit of work to do. Uh, they're home to the Dock on Friday. Okay. Yeah, and then I think they have Bows on Monday. Like it's a, another double header weekend coming up. Um, a lot of fun ahead. Yeah, there is. Um, before we got to Jim Crawford, yeah, there was a reference from Connor PB. Pure entertainment ahead in the game park. Draw to getting points on the board. Three up at half time, letting everyone everyone in for free. It was a good promotion, yeah. um, and hopefully it worked well. Um, Connor Cullen, it's a joke. There's no mainstream TV coverage of the Bowes Rovers game this Friday, considering how big of a showpiece it is for the league. I mentioned that last week with Mark. You know, um, it is strange to me that the two Bowes Rovers games aren't on the list. Um, I've made just scheduling issues. I know there was RTE crews maybe weren't happy with times they had it um, both of those grounds last year. I don't know was that influence thing at all or, or not. Um, possibly not. nothing to do with it, but mm. um, tell us it's, the place to go. It's just it is. It, like, I, I did look. I saw Vince O'Toole, who's the um, uh, GEA correspondent for Forge2.ie, posted up a tweet last night. I think, he's, I think he posted every week like it was like you know five football matches live on like Gaelic football matches live on TV this weekend that I was thinking right that's a third of the seasons quota <laughs> of League of Ireland games then we know that the figures need to be better but it's obviously it's mad that in an entire weekend probably so in the month of February which is the down season there'll probably be more live G and TV than there is a football domestic league football that's, you're touching the on something season. there I, I can't get my head around like how are they able to show so many Gaelic games well, men was, and women well I would say that like um, TG Carr and RT yeah and, and, and one of the games was at BBC now to be fair so there's a northern angle but even yeah, still they show um, so many games yeah but a lot of the time they showed Leash and Anthem for example the weekend it's a big game there's nobody at it like literally yeah. nobody at it yeah. um, and you know Neil O'Reardon wrote a piece about this today which I I am kind of interested in the whole RT thing now because the viewing figures have been bad, but at the same time, like we got we got to be shown, um, we got to make a slot that it's a thing that you like can rely on, not sporadic. No, I games. know, sporadic I know. Games just don't work. There's, there's 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 a balance between the two, and like there's certain games that I think we just need to prioritize for me. Mm. I've been through this last year, and I think Bowes Rovers is um is one of them. Or, uh, Bowes Rovers is one of them, you know. So um. Anthony Nelson. Uh, trying to think what else we got here. Yeah, Thomas Leo Doyle Duff is the new spoofer. Rovers will not keep their squad happy. Too many big names in the bench. Wouldn't rule the dock out either. As a Pats fan, I won't comment on them. As I won't, so I won't be biased. There you go. Duffers just the thing about he's Duff is for, yeah. he's going to get more attention, good and bad. It'll be um, a dramatic reaction. When I thought some of the reaction to the game Friday was a bit odd because like Shells have played four games. They lost to Derry and Pats, who are two very yeah, good sides. No, and like Shells are doing a lot good, so I, I'm not panicking. No, at no, all. no, no. I, I just think my thing would be that they're not like they probably they're, they're trying to make themselves hard to beat. Mm. I, I do think like they have a bit of an identity it's just you're looking at them going they just need a little bit more in the final third and maybe at times they're going to have to sacrifice one of the mm. midfielders or, or try and they did try and go with two up front later on but I mean Derry I don't think Derry would say themselves they played especially well they just sort of got through it mm. you know um, Matt Smith come on I should say and he looked very strong yeah and like, I mean that they're the main tones oh sorry we didn't, didn't go to her that was a lot of our, our Twitter fan base Instagram oh you see you got all sorts on Instagram um, to be fair I'm trying to pick out one what was one I was looking for uh, Conal O'Viacon the most obscure LOI player you can think of from down the years Vladimir oh, Vla- Vlad it must be up there yeah. I suppose the, the more obscure ones you, you've just you've forgotten them completely um, mm. I'm trying to think you know there's the mm, probably played to, for Sligo anyway well, Sligo have had a few yeah. you know um, Luther Blissett L- Luther Blissett yeah 
Derry had a few kind of mad ones as well. Oh, well, I mean, then you had like Frank Worthington and the people yeah. coming here for the day, the day trips back <laughs> in the day, like Gordon Banks, but not really George obscure, Best. like one of the, some of those famous names <laughs> in the history of football. You know, it's more so the people who come over on a boat and were never seen again. Or players afterwards. that were players that played like in a. So what about the New Zealanders who came for bows? Like, the, yeah, you know, the, who was the manager? The Harry, Joe McGrath, Joe like McGrath. Harry and Gatta, Dean Dodds, and. Um, Oh, Harry and Gatta. Rafter Gregorio, was it? <laughs> I remember uh, 10, 10 or 11 years back, this is brilliant actually, after Bowes won the league in 08 or 09, there was a couple of us there after the uh, after they won, like, you know, drinking in the bar late. And there was some Bowes fan who latched on, who clearly uh, was claiming to be a bigger Bowes fan than he was, but he was trying to get involved in the discussions, you know? And he, he managed to... Basically, long story short, he was managed to be successfully convinced that the Bows Kiwis had been a massive success and they'd won the league under them. <laughs> so he, at one point he was singing about, like there was a song with song about, do you remember when Dean Dodds won the league for Bows? And he was actually like joining in. So like, you know, he assumed that actually this Joe McGrath year was a glory year rather than one that, that was actually a bit of a disaster. There's also know? like stories of players who, who were in trial games were absolutely awful, these foreign games, like foreign players, really, really bad. And then subsequently were signed by the manager the next day, and you're like, "What? Sorry, what? What is that like?" So a lot of lot of obscure ones down the down the years. Jim Crawford is waiting to come in. He is going to be. We referenced the Chris Forrester Ireland call up. Ireland squad is next week. I'm not sure if we'll have any League of Ireland representatives. Yeah. I'd be surprised. Um, Jerry Desmond asking, "Will increase the attendance levels be maintained?" Yeah, like we're four weeks in, no sign of sign of stopping yet. You'd hope so, but I mean, again, it comes to scheduling and summer games and teams start to drop off, but. I'd be reasonably confident it'll, it'll hold up for a while at least. Um, you'll tell me the first division title race will keep going. Um, yeah, they're well, the main questions. The first division title race was over at half time in the water going out again, but now, now it's, it's back, back on. Now it's back on. Listen, we'll get, let's let's bring in Jim Crawford. Uh, yeah, I have a couple of uh, things to talk about uh, to, with Jim Crawford before we even get going. Um, we're just uh, to introduce Jim. We're talking about uh, the the crowds at games now and how it's. You, you went to the Pat Sligo game and. Couldn't get parking, and this brought dancing about having cops at the game. So when I went to the game on Friday in Galway, we're late, and I'd organise that kind of pull a few favours, get into the car park. So come up the car park, and there was a bond guarder there who, like, I hadn't seen in years, but had been like essentially been with my mate before. I was like, I haven't seen you, so I was posing for selfies with her, bringing back old memories. And she's like, I'll oh, come into the car park, no worries at all. And then it was like the lads come out and said, absolutely not, the car park's full. So um, it was reliving old memories with a bond guard I hadn't seen in years. Yeah. I think you've actually told that story on another... You do so many forums now, yeah. Johnny. You've already told that on Off the Ball the other day. Mm. So um, like, this is like this is like, re- this is like microwaved anecdotes. Yeah. To be honest, like. See, I didn't care then because Julian had to park about 20 minutes away, but I got in. Julian's your friend, to be <laughs> yeah. clear, again. But Jim, you were making the point that you had to park up the Hilton um, back in the Pat Sligo game. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I drove down to two inch a car and I couldn't find a car park spot anywhere mm. and good times the, are back yeah the nearest uh, I got as I said was the Hilton Hotel car park and it was great in one sense because there was a great buzz around the place and I went to inch a car um, the other day as well against Shamrock Rovers and there was people outside the ground you know shouting out anybody selling a ticket mm. which is yeah which, Mad, which I thought was fantastic it? yeah and there was a real buzz and I've never known you know sort of a buzz like it now mm. in a long time with regards to the to the whole League of Ireland which is great mm. Mm. what about this tackle against Bordeaux that Killian's put up on uh, Twitter I didn't know you played for Bowes that long ago yeah. I do remember the Bowes fans used to talk about this game because it was against Zidane and all that and the yeah. Bowes fans used to chant we'll get the ball in a minute yeah. this is a cruncher now 
Yeah, yeah. It was probably my only touch of the game. <laughs> Thank God back then they didn't do the stats what they do now, you know, in terms of possession and what have you. What would the XG have been in that game, actually? <laughs> yeah. What do you remember about it, actually? Because they had amazing yeah, players. They had Liz Arizou yeah. was playing, Zidane was playing, and they were just a fantastic team. I came on, I think, the last... I'm not too sure the last 15, 20 minutes, but it was a great experience, you know, and uh, uh, that, that was the joke. That was the joke at the end of it saying, you know, look, who touched the ball, you know, what I mean? <laughs> we, you know, so put up your hands, whoever touched the ball there this evening. But it was a, it was a, it was a difficult um, game, that's for sure. But look, I'm sure every player that played took so much out of it in terms of learning where we were at as a football club mm. at that stage. What are your best <laughs> memories playing in Europe, actually? Best memories? Well, you know, certainly, again, I only came on against Hadjik Split in Talker Park at the time when we beat we beat them to, um, to get into race. the next next round. Dave Rogers scored that mm. infamous goal. That was... Uh, Doesn't like to talk a, about it. Yeah. No, no. So, um, no, it was, it was a fantastic night. And just what we had at that particular time was a, was a team that were... You know, a good group of players, a really good group of players. And whether you're in the team or out of the team, we all pushed each other as far as we could. And, and we were all, there was nobody sulking at the end of it. We were all delighted because we knew what it meant for Shelburne Football Club. And it was just a, you know, a fantastic occasion. Then playing Deportivo in Lansdowne Road. Again, I was only on the bench. I couldn't get ahead of uh, Joseph Vindu at the time as Stewie Bourne both of them were playing really well and, and that was a game I think everybody remembered Wes Houlihan mm. was outstanding and that for me sort of copper fast in my belief that he should certainly go on and play a, a much higher level than where he is at the minute and did you think that before like I did yeah, yeah I did but it just for me it was a platform it was a a massive game there was a great attendance um, in in the Lansdowne Road at the time and it, it, he was there for all to see you know where he was for me he was the star player on the pitch the know. whole in the pitch in general yeah on the pitch in general was he not a great example though of why you know and when, when, when Jack passed away there was a lot of kind of legacy talk but I did reflect on what we got used to in Ireland that like it took Wes an awful long time to get really kind of I guess ref, um, respected for what he was and make an impact for Ireland because he was small and he was technical maybe well, I think it's about time mm. too. And Wes, you know, there's no doubt about it. If Wes was a 21, 22, 23 year old player now, I'm sure the the manager in charge now, Stephen Kenny, would have him mm. in the squad, and he'd he'd certainly gather a hell of a lot more caps than what he what he did because Wes would be that sort of technical magician that that Stephen loves. And you know, for me, Wes, it's just about time, and with regards you know, his international appearances because we all knew working with him at close quarters what what he could do. You know, he could he could see a pass and nobody else could. He'd, you know, fantastic um technical skill to go by people. Mm. He was, you know, those five yards he can get away from players. Fantastic left foot and um he um he texted me the other day. He's he's obviously playing with Cambridge, you know still got a lovely yeah, goal lately. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he just said, uh, we've beaten your old team, Jim, you know, Newcastle in the FA Cup. So, oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Um, he, he can uh, throw out some two-footed tackles as well via yeah. text. That's yeah. for sure. I, I, you suppose, know? I suppose the one thing you say, what, what would Wes, 
what would a 21 year old Wes where would he be now I suppose part of the debate is and it brings us on to the broader chat of where Irish football's at like a lot of people would point out that Wes when he was 17 he was still at Belvedere right he, he yeah. actually was still playing DDSL at that stage and he would have been the classic late bloomer um, is there still room for people like Wes now because this is I, don't, I think we'd be quite positive about the national underage leagues on this show but there is a counterpoint from people who would be involved in uh, say schoolboy football in in certain places who would say well, well what happens if you're not picked up at 14 now if you're not picked up at 13 14 now by the league of ireland team is there danger that that you, you lose people like wes who aren't deemed ready at 14 for that level yeah there's always a danger and, and you know I, I do feel that you know the the league of ireland going down to under 13 level would have been probably too early because you could miss out on a potential Wes Houlihan. And I think those early early formative years for players, they're crucial because, you know, and this is why grassroots clubs have an enormous part to play with regards to player development is because they instill that love and that passion of football for those players. And really it's, it's the job of the academies, you know, under 15s or under 14s up to, um, you know, to understand... Um, how players develop and it's not always about the the bigger the stronger more powerful player at the young ages they they've got to be able to see through that and see in those future develop um future developers they call them now where you know they're probably not right yet they're probably quarter fours of a particular year so it's going to take them a, a little while to get going and you know that's the responsibility of the league of Ireland clubs to 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 understand that process with regards to these type of players, you know, and and for me, it's it's it is a it's I can see the you know the debates had about mm. the, the the national league and and the old sort of DDSL and and um, grassroots side of things, but um, oh look, it's, it's you know it's a. It's a complex situation. It's it is complex. Yeah, I mean, we, we got a lot of questions in and we'll sort of we'll drop one or two of them in because Thomas Tormey had a message which is sort of relevant, more relevant to probably your age group that you're working at the moment. Um, please raise the gap between 19s and first team in the in the League of Ireland, that is, and need for reserve football um, included as part of third tier. I know you've discussed it before, but he is an expert on the age group most affected. Because this is obviously a talking point. If you, Because I think Shane Robinson was here, under 19s, actually often they're 18, a lot of yeah. them, you know, and then all of a sudden, what if you're not ready at that stage? Yeah. What happens to them? Yeah, it's, um, it's a great question. And I feel that, you know, the League of Ireland Department are working, you know, very hard to address that. I think there's a couple of... Um, sort of uh, initiatives made towards the under-19s going forward with regards to overage players yeah. dropping down. I think there's four allowed as a two under-20s and two. Yeah. And you only have to look at, you know, uh, Ronan Coughlin, who, who played for St. Pat's the weekend under-19s um, um, against Cork City. So, you know, it's, again, I think it's a great experience for players to play with and against um, senior players like that. Um, but as I said earlier on, you know, maybe under 13s would have been a little bit too young for me. Um, I certainly think that the bridge between 19s and the senior team was far too big. And, and mm. you know, so 
we're getting there, you know, and, and with these rules coming in, hopefully we can assess at the end of the season and say, did it work? Do we have to do more? Edward regards those players who, you know, outgrow the under-19s football and they're left sort of as a piece of driftwood. You know, they can't get into the force team. And, and maybe, you know, um, this the pyramid sort of system that's going to come in where we might have a tour tier. Yeah. And um, that might open the gate for players to gain experience from, let's say, somebody who plays with Shelburne Football Club that can go and play on loan with a tour tier team. Well, or, you have to think as well of like, say, Luke McNally, right? Luke McNally was put on loan to draw that from Pats because he couldn't get on the Pats team at that time. Yeah. And now he's like like rocking it up for Oxford. So mm. there is like there is a counterpoint as well that a lot of these players can go on loan at like first division clubs or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah without and, and Luke is a great example. Luke, I was only talking about him um, yesterday with Keith Andrews, how mm. much he's he's um he's kicked on in his career and he's you know, he's week in, week out, he's delivering top quality performances with with Oxford. We brought him into the twenty ones. And you know, probably in hindsight, he, he was so close to starting with our 21s that I don't think he even realises it, you know, but... Um, this is the first time you're going to reveal that now you were that close, Luke. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I spoke to him. I spoke <laughs> to him personally. He's, uh, How long ago was that? It would have been the last campaign, yeah. at the, the end of the last campaign, you know, but he's, uh, he's one that I think his pathway went, as you say, from Pats, you know, Pats are very strong. Uh, at that particular time defensively so he went out on loan and, and you know he had a, an unbelievable season at Drogheda you know so they brought through a banquet and McNally in recent times but like you look at UCD Wexford clubs like that are taking advantage of taking Premier Division players on loan that like yeah yeah without a doubt well not even on loan like you've got UCD have signed a couple mm. of players from Shamrock Rovers mm. as well and I think that's a great pathway and it's historically it's been a pathway for players like Liam Scales mm. Neil Ferrugia to start there and and start climbing up that uh, that ladder. Just on Dan's point, then, would you be in favour of that third tier concept, like uh, in terms of the, the the colleges maybe coming in B teams and, and new teams as well? I'd be certainly interested to see what what develops from it. Mm. You know, is it going to be you know your top amateur teams? Is it going to be college teams? Um, you know, I don't know how many B teams you get away with. I know Shamrock Rovers done it before. I thought it was a great concept. A lot of players getting competitive football in the fourth division at that time and, and there's no doubt about it that playing competitive football where I know points weren't the be all and end all with the Chamber Crowers be but they're playing every week mm. you know against lads who are older than them you know lads who are you know a real challenge for players at that age group you know and just you know just thinking you know off the cuff what we don't want is everybody has you know, Pats have a B team, mm. Shelburne have a B team, Rovers have a B team, and that just might be a sort of a glorified reserve league. Yeah, 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 yeah. you know what I mean. So mm. um, it's mm. it's all these certainly have to be sorted out through Mark Scanlon, um, and I've no doubt that you know when when the tour tier does come because it's part of the strategic plan that uh, it will be a success. But I think there's a lot of discussions to be had between now and then. I mean. It's- it really is the sort of uh, we're slagging ourselves off here for using the word interesting too much, but like it's a real interesting time in Irish football at the moment. Think about it, like you've been immersed in it all your life, but some of the changes that have happened in the last couple of years, Brexit and the impact of that, has really changed the landscape. And it's probably asked people to think in a way that they maybe haven't been asked to think in a while. I'm just kind of wondering at your level. Are you seeing a difference now? Like, I mean, 
I guess to, to sort of a long-winded point, but people talk about the League of Ireland being a younger league now. Right? This is mm. a fact. And all of a sudden you're seeing uh, James Banquet play at 17. You're seeing, I don't know, Jamie Mullins play at 17. A uh, couple of guys are a bit older. Um, do, has it, do you think now that the, 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 the League of Ireland is a fundamentally different league to what it was 10 years ago? In terms of, the, as a, like, I guess what I'm saying is, look at the, the volume of young players who've been loaned into the league from the UK now, which wasn't really a big thing in the past. Like, what do you make of the sort of changes that are happening? I think it's, you know, you're right. It's a very young league. You only have to look at the average age of a lot of the teams. Um, there's a lot more younger players that are making their debuts, you know, that would have been unheard of. When, when yeah, was, that's what I was going to say. When, when you were at that Bowes team, yeah. young lads like you were, yeah. there was, yeah. wasn't too many of you sort yeah. of knocking around, yeah. was there? Kevin Zeffie played for Rovers B, for example. Like, Yeah, yeah, you know, and and look, you know, Evan Ferguson played with Bohemians mm. too, you know, which is a, another young boy making his debut. But certainly when I was playing, probably, you know, the young players that everybody would sort of raise eyebrows to would have been 18, 19 year olds. Mm. And, you mm. know, there would have been Peter Hutton, there would have been Anthony Buckley, lads years ago who were playing week in, week out with their clubs that, you know, uh, were 18, 19 at the time. But now all of a sudden you've got, as you said, Jamie Mullins coming in. He's playing a lot more 18, 19-year-olds playing. But I think it's a fantastic environment for players to to learn, to develop, um, you know, the coaches that they're working with. Um, the environments now with regards to... Um, you know, training environments where, you know, they're, they're training more, more contact hours, you know, good coaches who are guiding the players. So I think it's in a really good place. Can it get better? Of course it can get better, you know, and, and you know, we, we get back into the conversation about financial investment. You ask any club, any academy, what do you need most? And, and they'll say, yeah, we need money to, to grow this whole project or, or academy, whatever mm. you want to call it, you know, but it's... It's in a good place, I think. You know, of course, it can get better. Um, I think the whole Brexit as situation has opened everybody's eyes because I think Will Clark put on a presentation for all the international managers and the comparison between our own academies mm. and Category 3 teams was, was alarming. You know, I think we were, you know, we're over 300 hours behind um, the development of these category three teams, you know, so I'd say forget about Manchester United or Chelsea or what have you, they're the academy teams. You know, we're, we're looking at category three teams, which are Fleetwood, Scunthorpe and what have you. So there has to be a gap that's bridged there, you know, and, and I know people are trying, we've got some fantastic initiatives. I know Dan, you were at the transition year course in, in Cordoff, which, which I think is fantastic for the 16 year olds there that you know, gives them, you know, Monday to Friday, living like life, mm. like a pro professional footballer. And you look at that where they had, you know, Andrew, um, Omar Bamadeli, yeah. you know, he, he graduated through that course and, and, you know, by all accounts, there's over 30 players, international players who've come out of that course. So it's, for me, you've got the ETB, you know, so there's, you know, they're trying to marry the, the education side to the football side. So that's another, you know, FAI initiative to, to get, you know, players sort of more contact time and, and closing that gap using category three teams as a as, as an a, example. As a barometer, because you, you'll pick a squad, right? You'll pick an Ireland squad and there's always great debate around it. And this is a League of Ireland show, so there would be always a case of, well, 
he's included four or six or seven or whatever. And you might have some guys in, I think of someone like Ollie O'Neill off the top of my head, right? Who's, you'd have guys who were at Fulham and who haven't necessarily had a huge amount of first team exposure there. How do you measure up? And it was one of the questions that comes in, measure up the, the, the merits of players between people with drastically different backgrounds. Someone like Ross Tierney who had come up and just played men's football, you know, broken through, uh, compared to maybe your academy player in the UK who hasn't yeah. played and who's played on 23 football. Like, how do you sort of yeah. weigh it all up? It's, it's you know, it, it's certainly a difficult process because what you have is you've got an under-23s league over in the UK that's a developmental league, you know, mm. then you've got our own league here and then you compare our own league to um, the divisions over in the UK and so you've got all these things that are going around your own head with regards okay he's playing at this standard he's playing at that standard but I think you've also got to bring into the equation the potential that a player may have Mm. you know okay he's playing 23s now and when we always talk to our players when they're in camp we we always try to you know try to get them out on loan because there's there's nothing like um, senior football, first team football, because that's where you learn how crucial it is in terms of winning games, um, you know, managing games. And for me, it's I think it's excellent at the minute with our under twenty ones group. I'll just name a couple of players like Leo Connor, yeah, Jake O'Brien. They're they're in the middle of trying to get into those promotion places, you know, those playoff places in League Two. Yeah, Lee has really thrived, it seemed, yeah. when he was in that Celtic thing, which people yeah. had sort of questions about, yeah. you know. Yeah, and, and by the way, you know, the, the whole Celtic thing for him really didn't work out for him. But you've got to learn from adversity as well. You've got to say to yourself, OK, you know, um, what do I need to do now to kick on my career? He went on loan to Tranmere. And what I think is great is that they're challenging for promotion places. You've got JJ Coyote, who's at Rotherham. They're, they're top of the league at the minute. And, you know, that's all part of players' journeys as well, is playing in crucial games. Mark McGuinness, Joe Bagan, you know, they were fighting relegation. You know, you've yeah. got F- Festy, um, you know, uh, Aaron Cashin and you've got Louis Watson to a lesser extent who are playing at Derby mm. County who are trying to get out of that relegation zone so these are great opportunities for players to develop you know playing in crucial games to get back to what you're saying about 23 sometimes you know players have got different pathways and you know sometimes when Jake O'Brien when he forced came into our squad, he was playing with Crystal Palace 23s. I thought that was the right place for him at that particular time. You know, he's played in Cork City's first team. Mm. I just thought a little bit more where he can learn tactically and technically about the game football at that level. Wouldn't do him any harm. Then all of a sudden he's gone to Swindon and he's he's turning a lot of heads playing at Swindon. Yeah, you know? it's interesting because uh, he suppose the likes of Killian Phillips has gone into that environment now, having that first team here. Johnny yeah. Kenny is another yeah. one who's Look, what we're seeing now is see it's a little bit of a of a change that guys are going at eighteen, nineteen as yeah. opposed to going at fifteen, so yeah. sixteen. So they're arriving at a different point. So they might need yeah. different things to what they might have needed of course previously. Of course, know? and I think you know the onus is on us now. Well, they used to go at sixteen. What what are we doing for those players between sixteen and eighteen? Mm-hmm. And that's what I spoke about earlier on with that transition year course in Cardiff. I know. You know, I know Sean McRovers for one are trying to transition year course as well. I know the ETBs are there for for um, 
certain players. So it's it's all very important that when players get to the age of 18, uh, you know, they're ready if the opportunity comes. And now, you know, the club are in a position to, to get, you know, some, some money for that player that they can invest back into the academy. Yeah, I mean, I gather you're due to announce under 20 squad on Friday. Um, what's the thinking there? Is it sort of a get an under 20 group together just to... Yeah, well, as a little bit of a transition to the to to the next age, or what's yeah, the no, you're, you're correct. But for me, the thing is with these two thousand and twos only, they haven't put on a green jersey in in so long because their under 19s campaign was called off oh, because okay. of COVID. So yeah. you have these group of players that have been doing absolutely nothing for the last while with regards to international football. So it's a it's a case of bringing in. Um, you know, 18 to 20 of them. Now we're going to hold on to, you know, a couple of older goalkeepers because, again, we, we just want to see where the goalkeepers are at, at this particular time. But we just want to bring in some 2002s and introduce them to the international, reintroduce them to the international setup and really have discussions on the campaign that's coming ahead, you know. So um, we're, we're still got to nail down the opposition. It's very close to, to getting that sorted. But I think it's, it was something that I've been thinking about a long time that, you know, you have a group of players who have not, you know, unfortunately due to the pandemic um, haven't played uh, competitive football at under 19. So what you don't want to do is, is, you know, the fear of losing players mm. during this, um, during this time. The you know? O2s was the O2s or Gavin Bazzino and Troy Partridge says them twos, aren't they? I yeah, think they, they are. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. They won't be in the squad. Of course. Nah. No, I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> no. Jason, no, Jason Knight is maybe a year up. Oh, is he? Oh, he's one. in 0 one yeah. 0-1, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that was that team that yeah. the, the 17, Nathan Collins and the team that lost. Yeah. But you see, it's, you know, you see them now popping up. Like you see Barry Coffey who's back at, yeah. at yeah, Cork, Cork now and yeah, Cameron well. Ledwidge. Like, you know, the, yeah. these players, it's, it's yeah. a funny old journey and you lived it yourself. Like you went to Newcastle um, you've seen different sides of the game as a player, right? Like you, you, different time when you left, but you still went into yeah. a really strong Newcastle yeah. at a very exciting time. Yeah, well, it was it was a huge club at the time. Kevin Keegan was was building, you know, uh, a, a really really powerful squad that would go on and compete with Manchester United for the Premiership. And for me, it was great, you know. But what what I can bring to the twenty ones now is is context and balance of being there at a big club. Um, you know, obviously not making um, the so-called grade with, with Newcastle United and dropping down a couple of divisions and then eventually coming back back home and, and playing with, with a successful Shelbourne team. Mm. So, you know, everybody has a different pathway, obviously, but, you know, I, I took a, a hell of a lot from it working with those yeah. coaches. You've a good Waterford mix there as well, right? Because you've got John O'Shea on one yeah. hand and you've got Alan Reynolds on the other. It's a nice little cocktail. Like, they yeah. give you a little different... John O'Shea can tell you about, like, you know, Fergie and winning leagues, but yeah. Rennie can tell lads a couple of stories as well about yeah, yeah. the trenches, I'm guessing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, come here, look. I think it's it's essential as a head coach to have the right team around you and, and it just so happens both of them are from Waterford and we've also got Rene Gilmartin the goalkeeping mm. coach Martin Doyle will be our analyst and but certainly John I was with John um, on Sunday you know I had a chat with John but John's you know he's an amazing guy and for somebody who's won just about everything there is to win um, with regards to English football you know he's, he's so down there he's very humble isn't he like, yeah, yeah. yeah he, he certainly is he's he's got fantastic knowledge mm. in the game and I think he's a he's a real 
um, plays a real big part with our international setup. Well, Alan Reynolds, you know, domestically, you know, I think you you just have to look at Alan's coaching career, and that's really what I've I've you know I admire so much about Alan. Where when he was manager at Waterford, through difficult times as well, he was able to um, produce the goods as a yeah. head coach. Um, you know, he's been assistant for a lot of managers in the league and, you know, he's currently an assistant with Rory Higgins at Derry City and he's a he's a wanted man because he brings, you know, a hell of a lot to the table. Yeah, he does. I really love being called a wanted man, actually. But, uh, yeah. Just in, in terms of, in terms <laughs> he's been wanted a few times, I think. But, uh, yeah. in, in ter- I'm, I'm I'd inter- agree. <laughs> I'd agree. I'm interested in the pyramid structure, though, they talk about there because, like, you mentioned Evaselli and Bagan, for example. Like, no doubt they should be int- they should be mentioned in terms of possible senior caps because of how well they're playing. So how does it work in terms of your coordination with the likes of Stephen Kenny, but also, we'll say, the down to Jason Donahue and all the way up, like, yeah. in terms of... I'm not saying you all have a WhatsApp group where you're like, right, I'm bringing in him this week. Yeah. But like, how does that work in terms of communication? Well, you know, with Stephen, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to work with Stephen for a year with the 21s. And, you know, I, I understand what he's thinking. Um, and, you know, I'd pick, phone call, or I'd pick up a phone and make a call to him at any time about players and advice and what have you. And, and he'd do the same with me. And then when it comes to, you know, around now, or last week we start having various discussions on, mm. on possible players that he might take off me or that, that might come down to the 21. So, um, you know, so the bigger picture is about the player, you know. Um, look, I've had phone calls off Steve and two days before a, a big game against Italy, needing because of this whole um, COVID situation, yeah. you know, we brought over Jason Knight and Darrell Shea and I was delighted for the lads and, and you know that's that's been that was hard like there would be a, there would have been an opinion God that could have contributed to a team not qualifying for a finals mm. yeah it, and you know possibly so but I think what I said there earlier on it, it is about the player and you know and I'm going to say this you know like the two lads were absolutely delighted mm. to be called with the senior team because if you ask anybody and even when I was a young player what do you want to do well, I want to play for my country mm. you know yeah. and, and that's that's your ambition and now all of a sudden they're getting closer to that dream and I was delighted for them and they were delighted to get the call up and then we as an under 21 staff and a group of players you know we, we just had to pick up where we left off and try to get people motivated we yeah, possibly bring in more players for that particular game. On that, sorry, is, on that sorry, broader is, point, is that, um, just we'll say yeah. when Sven Von Eriksson brought in like Walcott to his squad, like there was like all this hysteria. So, and I'm I'm not asking you like about specific players, but just mention and say Evan Ferguson. Do you think it's good for him if he's in like because he was promoted to the twenty ones at a fairly early stage? So, say if Stephen Kenny says I want to bring him into the squad, not necessarily to play him, but just to be around these players. Like, can you see that mindset as well? And this is all hypothetical, obviously. Yeah, it's, look, if Stephen was to sit down and, and, you know, have that conversation with me, you know, I'm not going to be there saying... Um, uh, Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. Or, you know, I, I've got to be able to throw in my um, my viewpoint too on the mm. whole situation. But ultimately, Stephen, he's, you know, he's, he's the head coach of the senior team. He's the ones that makes the decisions. And, you know, like for me up to now like the the whole sort of um way he's he's dealt with the with the senior team bringing in the young players has been 
has been fantastic. A lot of people have bought into it. You only have to look at the the, the ticket sales, mm. for instance. You know, it's um, by all accounts we've 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 broken records. So, which is all positive, you know. And and if he was to say to me, look, Evan Ferguson's going to come in and want to um, let him sample the environment, you know, there's there's nothing we can do because he is the He's the manager of this. Okay. Okay. Just because I know we've had COVID bubbles the last couple of years, which probably, I don't know, maybe at times made things complicated too. But I kind of wonder when players go up, is it hard to get them back? If you know what I mean? Is that line? Because there would have been times last year in the autumn where there might have been under 21 eligible players who, who barely played, you know, in a senior squad. And you're sitting there going, is the facility there to say, Mm, if it looks like he might be involved could we get him back for the second mm. leg of this double header or do you want to like work with the players you have and and all of a sudden like I don't know I'm sure you, w- you wouldn't refuse Troy Parrott if it was dropped in at the last minute but obviously it's not a straightforward thing of just like giving them no. the call and, and, and buzzing them in no it, it's certainly not and again that's a conversation with me and, me and Stephen about certain players and you know Troy Parrott for example um you know, he's a fantastic individual. Um, he, he just returned him from an injury um, at Millwall he was at the time. I think he was only back about four or five days and I rang him and I just said to him, you know, again, I spoke to Stephen Force, told him about it and said, look, I'm thinking about bringing him in to the 21 setup, albeit he's only trained four days with Millwall and, and Troy Parr jumped mm. at the um, the invitation because he, want, he wants to play with Ireland. He wants to put on the green jersey, you know, but... You know, there's probably other players, um, you know, I don't want to mention now that probably see themselves as a senior player. And to get them back to an under-21 setup would be sort of, you know, sort of impossible at this stage. And then, yeah. you know, it's it's just something that I've got to deal with, you know, as a, the under-21 head coach. And, and, and Stephen has to deal with as the senior manager, you know, to see where these players lie. Uh, with regards to his thinking. Yeah, because like the 29th of March, you play Sweden away, which is a big game. Ireland mm-hmm. player friendly at Lithuania. Not a big game, but then the flip side is maybe a great opportunity to give young players an opportunity. So like that's the, yeah. Yeah. the that's, little bit of the trade-off yeah, with it yeah, there, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that's the paradoxical sort of um, theme of the under-21's job where... Mm. You're you know, halfway house, like... Exactly, yeah. where, you know, you want to qualify, you, you want to, you know... Uh, burst through the door and, and be the first team to, to qualify for the under-21s finals. But at the same time, you want to promote players to the senior team. And, and you know, last campaign, we had a lot of players that got promoted as soon as Stephen took charge of the senior team. It was great. It was it made things a little bit more difficult, but also opened the doors for certain players. Like Mark McGuinness came in and played a game. Nathan Collins then came and, and played against Iceland. So it opens the door for other players mm. um, when uh, players get promoted. Yeah, I'm sure Tom know. Owen would like some, you know, would like Evan Ferguson or whatever, you know. Yeah. Or like to, there's there's yeah. obviously a there's a domino yeah. effect with this yeah. concept of promoting players, you know. Yeah. So yeah, and I, I think you just have to sit down and say what's best for the player, you know. And and certainly with the underage teams, and I'm including the the twenty ones with that. It's you know, we'd have a conversation around certain players, what's best for them, you know. Stephen will just say, no, look, we'll bring up these players because he's worthy of a senior cap, and that's great, you know, and, mm. and that's every well, player's uh, uh, dream, as I said and earlier. And the general on. thing of that, like, uh, from, from the under-14s up, um, because this has been spoken about, I suppose, years ago in Ireland, where you have parents on the sideline, and, like, 
they're not probably that bothered about playing the ball out from the back or getting into situations where the player is learning. And like I'm thinking back now at like and I go back to this and Dan Slag like the like the, the atmosphere at the Galway Sharon Grover's under fourteens final was quite raucous at times. Yeah. But like how much is it for the manager? Watch on the stream. The man- yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the ma- the manager like this is about like even even up to you, it's still about developing players for senior football. That's ultimately what it's about. But you have to marry that and say, Well, I did a very good job, but maybe our results didn't necessarily yeah. reflect that. So I don't. I don't know. That's a long-winded way of of saying no. you. You need to get that philosophy there. I guess. Like. Yeah, it, it is. But I think you know the group of players we have now. We've got a real chance, mm. as Dan said. We've got um, Sweden away in the very last day to win those. So we we've a bit of preparation time going into the game. It's going to be a, a hell of a challenge. But if we can win that game, you know it you know we're in a nice position to get a, a playoff place and with three games to go if we can get nine points and I'm not looking that far ahead but you know there's every chance of automatic qualification but qualifying for finals would certainly be a real catalyst with regards to player development you know yeah. because playing against Europe's best players at under 21 level is um, would be a fantastic experience for other players mm. you know mm. so um, we can't lose sight of that we, we have a lot of questions that we're going to try to run through them um, okay. from sort of on individual players but before that um, actually the great Mark Kenny talented oh. player um, Mark very G- talented Jim is the complete gentleman excellent oh. coach please ask him who's the best player he played against no he's not played against him. it might be Mark himself <laughs> um, the best player thus far he has had the pleasure to coach and manage look you know just on the subject of Mark and another great coach who works in the association. I only had a conversation with him a couple of days ago and his knowledge and his his interpersonal skills are they're infectious, you know, and, and I think he'd be a great coach. But to answer his questions, um you know, I t- look I look at the senior team now and, and who have I worked with there, you know, we had Gavin Bazunu in with the twenty ones, Jason Knight, you know, uh, Adam had the Emerging Talent Programme as well. When I was Jason working, Knight. Jason yeah. Knight and, and myself and Ian Hill, who was the the head coach of that particular programme, you know, we, we singled him out from an early age to say uh, what a talent he is. And he's gone to Derby now. He's captain Derby. I think Derby's a great club mm. because of this whole embargo where they can't bring in players. Well, yeah, there's uh, a few, yeah, you there, know. Yeah. The relegation scrap is great. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and look, he's he's been fantastic uh jason Knight. so he'd be certainly up there adam Eda, we had adam um with the under 18s um when he he scored against uh england and he was uh he was a massive difference because we didn't play him the first half we brought him on and and you know the his physical presence alone you know got us up the pitch quicker because the way he was able to hold the ball up and, and link it up with with midfielders and for me he was certainly a a top prospect. You had Troy Parrott, as I said earlier on, you know, just even his enthusiasm to come with the 21s. And, and you know, I think there's a lot more to come from Troy. Darrell Shea, you know, the, again, he played with us at under-18s when um, we played Germany, we played Holland, and he, outstanding, absolutely outstanding. And if you would have said to me, Jim, do you think you'll go on and play X amount of games with West Brom? You know, I would have to think about it, but you look at the, the player's attitude That's probably alone. a diplomatic way of saying, maybe not at that stage, <laughs> but he's, got, yeah. he's done better but, than you thought. But, but yeah. what, what an attitude he has, you know. And um, What about Omar Bamidelli then? 
Yeah, we, we had him against Wales and, um, you know, we came in and he was just like a Mercedes when he came in, four-stay training, um, strolled through training, you know, whether it was stepping into midfield with the ball, whether it was defending 1v1 situations, it, it was it was very easy for him, put it like that, you know, and, and I got on Stephen straight away, you know, I said, Stephen, look, he's, um, he's certainly a high potential, you need to get eyes on him, and look, they were well aware of him already, um, his progress he was making at Norwich, and you only have to look at him now, it's unfortunate he's missing out on this particular window mm. with an injury, but you know, I've I, I think we've got a real player there. Mm-hmm. You know, he just he was a fly by night at twenty ones level. He was in and out pretty much. Wasn't he was he so. was in and out. Yeah, yeah that training. Yeah. I was asking yeah. Al Reynolds actually around the times like any one to and he said this lad like yeah. he barely even played. He was yeah, gone. Yeah. St- Stephen Doody. Before we move on to some of the player like player centric questions, will you ask Jim? Does he realise how highly he's thought of at Shells after the loyalty he showed to stay in two thousand and seven? A lot of likes, so it's more of a compliment. Right. But uh, yeah, Shells in two thousand and seven, I, I suppose like. Maybe talk about that in a second, but even there's a lot of people in football who are getting a buzz out of seeing Talca full again. Mm, and I'm yeah. guessing you're probably in that sort yeah. of category. Oh, without a doubt. Look, Shelburne to me, you know, I, my love affair with Shelburne goes back years where um, I remember um, with the football club I was with, we were asked, could we do a sort of uh, some jobs for Shelburne Football Club? And I put my hand up and I said, yeah, absolutely no problem. And I remember... If, um, our lift arrived Saturday morning I'll never forget it and we were handed a, a collection bucket and we had to go to the old Dundrum shopping centre and, and uh, shake a bucket full of coins and, and give people uh, Shelburne stickers so from that I went I used to mark the pitch down on Harold's Cross with um, a coach of mine who was used to uh, mark the pitch of a Saturday in Harold's Cross I didn't realise this now yeah. yeah and then they used to let me and a couple of um my teammates were with the football club, Rangers football club at the time, uh, do ball boy of a Sunday. And, and the buzz I got from that, particularly Derry had just come into the league as well. And they, they brought down oh, masses of coaches, you know, mm. with, with the fans coming in. And it, it was a great buzz, fantastic buzz. And that was the time of um, Johnny Bourne was the manager. You know, Johnny would have been uh, the father of of Alan Bourne, who's the oh, the yeah. the um, the doctor with um, the Irish senior mm. team, but there was Stephen Yates, who's the father, father of, of Mark, Mark yeah, Yates. He passed he away young, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was Gary Barrett, who's the the father of um, Graham Barrett. You know mm. what I mean? So the, those players were the ones that caught the eye back then. But yeah, but the, the, then to stay with the club after the crash, that you know, like '06 was such a yeah. You know, the emotion of that time. And I remember going to the first game in 07. I think you played Kildare County and Ollie was there and he wasn't well. And it was really sad. Like, you know, yeah. and, and clearly by staying, you, you felt some, it shows that it was legitimate, your yeah. feelings there, if you know what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, look, I did, you know, Shelburne, you know, they, look, they've done a lot for me. I had probably my best years as a player in terms of enjoying things, winning things at Shelburne Football Club and, um, you know, Wally Bourne obviously had a big part to play in it. Pat Fenlon and all my teammates around then, you know, the fantastic bunch of players. And for it all to end so quickly was, um, was uh, you know, it was, it was gut-wrenching, you know, because, you know, all good things do mm. come to an end. And, and But the way it did wasn't wasn't very nice. And then Dermot Keeley took over and I was only too happy to stay at Shelbourne and, and play a part. Now, look, I stayed... Again, I was on the treatment table more times than not, which 
mm. wasn't as helpful as what I had in my head when I when I put pen to paper saying, you know what, we've we're gonna sign a lot of young lads and I'll help them develop. Like we got Gary, Gary Deegan through the door and James <laughs> see him then scoring like at thirty six at the weekend yeah, or whatever. Like yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny the the save Talca thing like. Uh, um, we met Oscar Brennan there Saturday in town. He was going on to the Save Talca gig, but like some of the people who are actually at the Save Talca gig yeah. makes for very interesting. Um, a lot of people are behind it. Not only people who are involved in shells. Let's just say some rival clubs seem to be yes. behind it as well. It's it's weird. The Save yeah. Talk thing has completely taken off. Yeah, yeah, no, and and I probably can guess who you're talking about. I won't. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's great. And and to, to get Brian Kerr was on the stage, but I'm not actually talking about him. I'm talking yeah. with somebody else anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. very cryptic, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, talking this, about this is vintage League of Ireland. Yeah. Like if somebody yeah. from both. He was like, at the gig. Yeah. He was probably seen by people. He was, there, Johnny. I'm not secret. sure. I'm not sure. Can I name him? But uh, oh, it's okay. it's what a league. Like so, there was supposed to be ground sharing, but now anyway. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, right, listen, some players. Um a couple of references about Dara Burns. I gather his clearance is is it true or close to going through? Dara? It's just about there, yeah. It's on the desk of FIFA at the minute. Yeah. So it's really getting that over the line for Dara. You know, for me, Dara, you know, I think everybody's seen him last year. He's a he's an exciting player. He gets, you know, bums off seats when he gets on the ball because of his you know, his his trickery and, and you know we seen on the opening day of the season is the, the goal he scored against mm. um Shelburne. Um, you know, so he's a great one to have and, and I think it's all bigger picture stuff. Like he's eligible for the next campaign as well, you mm. know. So, you know, it's it's fantastic that he wants to play with the Republic, you know, we're delighted with that. So um we'll see how that develops. But he's you know, for me he's 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 an excellent player. It's it's safe to say when it goes through we can expect expect him to see him in one of your squads soon is that a fair comment yeah yeah without yeah. a doubt look yeah. and look it mightn't be this campaign campaign later on because again we, we still have a really good group of players that yeah. are in the existent uh, from the core campaign. of the, yeah. the group um Mipo Adebeko last week said he, he suggested that his his future lies with Ireland I know that's been a little bit one of those yeah, eligibility sagas that we've had too many of in recent years. Have you spoken with him recently, or where does he stand in your thoughts? Yeah, I met Meepo. I went to um, um, uh, Wimbledon against Doncaster there a couple of weeks ago, and I met him after the game. And, and look, we had a long conversation, and you know he's in he's in great spirits. It's um, you know it's um, being at Doncaster. He's certainly learning you know, sort of different aspects of the mm. game where they defend, you know, in, in, in a low block for, you know, quite lar- large portions of the game, but he's doing it well when he when he has been involved and, and you know, they, they, they have a lot of counter-attacks and that's something that Meepo certainly would bring to any group is his pace going forward and he can score goals, you know, throughout all the age groups with, with St. Joey's boys who he was involved with and he went went over to the UK at under-23s level and what have you, he, he scores goals. And, you know, I spoke to the... He went on loan to Huddersfield. It didn't, mm. didn't quite work out for him, but I spoke to the manager um, at Huddersfield and he says, look, it was just unfortunate that we couldn't give him competitive minutes, but, you know, there was certainly a big improvement from him when he first came through the door to when he left. And he thinks that he's, he's got a bright future ahead of him, you know, so... You know, and, and me meeting Meepo uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, again, because look, I, I didn't, would have known Meepo through 
St. Joseph days and what have you because my, my son played at St. Yeah. Joseph's and, and he, you know he's a good fella and he's looking forward to uh, to, to represent Ireland did you, did you used to give him lifts back in the day or something or is there yeah, yeah. well, well see, no 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 it, it wasn't um, it was uh, Meepo's brother that brother alright okay. so what would happen would be that I would get a phone call to pick up Addy and all of a sudden Meepo would be in the car ah, as well okay, because he was training at the same time. Gotcha. So, uh, but but is he eligible or like is he in your thoughts for your next squad? Like is it safe? Yeah, to we say still he, uh, we we've, we've a, you know we still have a lot of mathematics to do at this stage with uh, regards players and numbers. And, but there's no obstacle yeah. to him being included. No, no, no. He's, he's, if you call he's him, he'll be there. Yes, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. without a doubt. You know, and really, what Meepo is is that like he'd add to the real quality that we have there, and and that's you know you look at. You know, JJ Quixote was playing. You know, League One, challenging to 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 win the league, and and it's a difficult team to break into. And for me, you know, for him to make sort of you know cameo appearances at the minute, fifteen minutes here, twenty minutes there, I, I think it's a fantastic job he's doing because Georgie Kelly was signed, and I said this mm. just possibly would put more pressure on yeah. JJ Quixote, but it hasn't happened. JJ stayed there and and still making. His appearances. So you've got um, JJ there. You've got you know Evan Ferguson, Collie Whelan. Mm. You know we we've um, you know Johnny Kenny as as we we said earlier on. You know so we've uh, yeah d- different position. And Liam Carrigan is he sort of in your in your Liam? Yeah, I saw it. I suppose he was. Yeah, look, Liam is you know the provisional list has gone out. Liam is part of the provisional list, and and what Liam brings is you know pace. Um, down the right hand side and also he's got a great eye for goal you know and I don't know we had the, the opening game of the season against uh, no it wasn't that and I saw him I saw him play uh, against Shells last week but yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there yeah yeah yeah. 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 he's but, just got a great he's just he's, he's built for it as well he's just got a great sort yeah of, yeah My, probably the only th- probably the only thing is with you know the league at the minute it's only starting to get up up and running the league mm. of Ireland and you look at the likes of Liam and and Colin Whelan now have jumped up into the to the to the top uh, division with their whole team. It's not one of them signing with Shamrock Rovers or one of them going to Bohemians where you know it, it, the whole transition would be made easier. They've gone up with the whole team, and and it'll take them a, a while to uh, to get going in the league. But I think Andy Moyler and um, uh, Willie O'Connor, the, the, yeah. the two coaches there, would be. Fantastic for the Should players. Should mention the absolute screamer he got, sorry, at the weekend against Rada as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So finish. we're into the final five minutes and I, I know the nature of um, international managing people just to ask you questions about players who aren't in your squad. So yeah. this is, it's always the way. Uh, Charlie McCann has been mentioned a few times. Is he someone uh, you've, you've spoken to? He's obviously ex-Manchester United at Rangers now. Is he in Yeah, the- yeah. I, I spoke to Charlie McCann there um, a couple of weeks ago and um, it's unfortunate that he's, he's looking now to go play with Northern Ireland and this was the danger of players the 2002 group that haven't been involved in international football for so long and and you know I, I had said to Charlie that look Charlie have to realise that we you know we Gavin Kilkenny Connor Coventry you know Ross Tierney Dawson Devoy Will Smallbone these players that you know they're all really talented players mm-hmm. and, and you know Charlie is it you know he's a very good player as well but Unfortunately, he just couldn't get ahead of them at this particular time. And I don't know what Northern Ireland have said to him, you know, but he did say to me that uh, at this particular time, he's... 
That's where he's going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, three more names. Uh, Armstrong Okoflex comes up a lot. Uh, yeah. Where do things stand with him? He didn't make your most recent squad. I'm trying to think. Or what, no, he was in. He was in the squad. He, he didn't Sorry, make didn't, the bench. Didn't make the bench. Yeah. I apologise. Yeah. 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 And look, it's unfortunate. You can only pick. You know, your your eleven starting players and your 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 nine substitutes. You know, and and it was just unfortunate he didn't make it, but. You know, people have to realise that Armstrong, he can go again for the next campaign. And I sat down with Armstrong in the last camp and I said, look, you know, you've come here. He's done really well with us. Um, but he has to remember there's a bigger picture to all this that in the next campaign, he'd be, he'd be a prominent fixture yeah. in our squads, you know, if he continues to develop the way he is. Now, I did say to him that he probably needs to look to go out on loan. You know, because I think he's he's out, he's one of these players that's probably outgrown under twenty threes football, mm. and and he has to be careful who he goes on loan to. He can't just go to a League One or a League Two club that doesn't play the type of football that will help him develop. He might have to look, you know, further afield in Europe, whether it's, mm. it's Holland or what Jack Bourne did. You know what I mean? Um, and and play it sort of a technical league like that which would suit him which would suit him okay yeah the two more you mentioned one of them already um, Aaron Cashin at Derby is he uh, yeah Aaron you can't ignore somebody who's played you know a number of games and played well has has not looked out of place I've watched every minute of every game he's played with at Derby and you know he's he's been very very good very good you know he's you know he brings sort of calmness he can defend he's got a left foot which gives a an opportunity of balance, which we don't have a left-sided centre-back with, okay, uh, with yeah. the group yet. You know? So he's in so, your thoughts, it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah he's certainly yeah. in our thoughts, you know. And Taylor Gardner-Hickman at West Brom? Where does Taylor, yeah. Taylor t- misses out because he's um, he's gone one over. I think it's his, his great-grandparents oh. are Irish, you know, so that's the... Oh, okay. So he doesn't qualify. That's interesting. Yeah. Just, his name just keeps coming up on yeah. some of these sort of aggregation sites or whatever. Yeah. So Now, yeah. we were contacted to say that you know, they think it's his grandparents and there was a sort of, um, it, w- it was quite a complex conversation we were having with the the agent and uh, the parents that they couldn't find, you know, the, the required documents to take this further, you know, um, to FIFA and what have you. But, you know, we've come to the conclusion now that um, it was his great Grandparents, okay. Now that are Irish. So so can I, can I just ask very briefly before you go? Um, because I, I was, I have been watching a good bit of Derby. I, I actually find the championship more interesting than the Premier League. So many okay. Very briefly though, Festy Abaselli, like Wexford's finest or whatever, like this lad has I just been, he's absolutely exploded onto the scene. Oh. He's hadn't mentioned obviously in the, in, into the senior team yet, but yeah. uh, I've been really taken aback by his yeah. performances. I've seen a bit of Derby. He's been excellent. Festy's been excellent. And I've said it to him, he came in with us in the Wales trip at the very beginning of the whole campaign and he's just kicked on you know and, and the thing is he's played wide right he's played left back he's played right back numerous positions mm. but he's he's shown how versatile he is and he's certainly um, a player for the future I think you said exploded onto the scene he's an explosive player mm. he can run and, and you know how many players do we have with that raw natural pace that, that he has you know so Look, I'm excited to, to work with him again in this um, uh, um, the, the next couple of windows coming up. And, and he's still eligible for the next mm. campaign he's 19, as well. Isn't he? yeah. but, but who knows? I'd if say he, he keeps might be going, gone by then. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. he keeps going the way he is, you know, obviously there's every opportunity mm. of, a, of a senior call up. But he's mm. a, 
and he's a great guy as well. Is he, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fantastic down there, fellow. You know, yeah, that's great. I mean, I suppose it is a nice thing at the moment to have the buzz back. And I think I'm guessing most games you're going to now in the league, just finally, there probably is players that are eligible. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that are yeah. in your thoughts. As you said, there was a time not long ago where you might go to a game and there might be one or two. 20 year olds on the pitch are, it's yeah. a different story now I'm guessing like we yeah. could look at games on Friday and Bowes Rovers yeah. the big game on Friday yeah. you'd have a few options there yeah. between Dawson and yeah. Andy, Andy Lyons and yeah. you know one or yeah. two of the younger lads and I'm sure you could say the same for every other game like you know yeah. Yeah. it's a good it's a good problem to have I suppose yeah, it's great and you know I spoke about you know certain players in the current under 21s that are you know playing from promotion or playoff places but again to go down to Inchicore last week to watch Pats against Roberts, which is a, you know, it was a great night. The place was packed to the rafters, and and there's a fair bit of pressure on the players there, and that's part of their journey with regards to development is playing in pressurized situations like that, you know. And Andy Lyons, he did well mm. playing left wing back. Mm. He didn't yeah, show yeah. some versatility there, you know. But um, uh, you know, and Darryl, I thought that was very good as well, you know. And and by the way, Adam O'Reilly, who was oh yeah, you know, was yeah. another player that is still eligible for us that he. He certainly um, uh, turned a few heads with his dis- display. Mm. Yeah, it's funny. Like there is these ones that sort of slip under the radar. I'm mm. Trying to think, is Jack Moylan? How old is Jack Moylan at Chelsea? Is he too? He's no, 20, he's, he's under twenty-one. He's, he's 20, twenty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's fun. And I'm, I'm not just yeah. like I'm not saying. Oh, yeah. But it's it, we're learning more about some of these players now. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's a nice situation and, and, to be in. And and Jack, he's in a great place under Damien mm. uh, Duff's stewardship mm. as well. Like he'll certainly get the best out of him and help him developed to, to where he can go and Jordan McAniff is another one that's yeah there, if he know. can just stay fit yeah, yeah. yeah fantastic talent fantastic. Gotta, gotta finally end up on a Galway United team uh, actually uh, do you know what someone actually said to me yesterday will there be a reference to Alex Murphy I said if, he, well, he, if he Johnny's a, on this podcast he had him in one of his squads no I know right. no that's he did right, to be yeah. fair um, constantly asked about Alex Murphy he was unbelievable again Friday night yeah so I believe mm. against um, Waterford he mm. was meant to be outstanding and, and look you know, for me, the feedback from the under-18s um, staff was that he was excellent when he went into camp with them. Um, I think he's got a fantastic left foot. He's um, he's played right back as well mm. with Galway, you know what I mean? So he's, um, for a player so young, playing at that level, I think it's excellent for him. And he's, he's certainly another one with, with huge potential. You Beautiful. Know, Sean Rowan as well as another player back yeah. in the league too. You could know? be here all day. You be yeah, be, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, and by the way, I think I think a lot of people were referencing that we'd nobody coming through a long time ago, you know what I mean? Mm. And you only have to look mm. now what's you know what's in front of us, you know. Yeah, it's exciting. I, I I don't know, I think great times ahead, hopefully. Yeah, good. I gather you've set up two football for all teams as well. Is this something you're yeah. you're sort of strong on in a different yeah, sort of life. look I think you know the the whole football for all program is um, you know when I was a development officer in the Tala area that you know I had the privilege of setting up with um, Sacred Hearts uh, mm. children with disabilities playing which is you know something that was was quite endearing to me and, and I went on I went on then to um, Tala Town of set up um, for children with autism you know so so what we've done with the 21s now is, you know, it's given me an opportunity to now connect with coaches to invite players and, and coaches down to our training sessions as well. So I, I certainly haven't abandoned the work that's been going on with regards to the FEI and the Football for All programme. Yeah, your you previous know. development officer role, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. It's very important. Yeah. But listen, Jim, it's been great having you in. We appreciate oh, thank your time, you your accommodating today with your time. So, yeah. Um, yeah, look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks. Thank you. Jim. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, um, I'm sure Jim would like um, a few Porterhouse brews. Do check out the website as well for the lovely offers. If you do win the prize, and this week's one, Dan, um, is here. Yeah, the mystery voice, as commissioned by Johnny Board, singing a song, lyric, or talk, sorry, uh, speaking yeah. uh, uh, a sentence from a song which we may have used last week. Roxanne, you don't have to put out the red light. Roxanne, you don't have to put out the red light. Yeah, so uh, respond on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, yeah, for your Instagram interests. at LOI Central Pod on Instagram as well. Just keep finding us there. We're enjoying the interaction there. Or yeah, at Twitter, just reply to us and uh, you will be entered into the non-existent hat. I think, um, I, think, I, think I put in uh, on, on the LOI Central uh, Twitter account uh, footage of Go United's kind of flares last Friday when I meant to put on my own account. But then I was like, I don't really care. But what is your own account? Um oh on instagram, on instagram oh no yeah. sorry yeah, yeah and then um that was great and a uh, 500 quid fine for go united that's just bang bang if there's a flare it was great. everyone's taking photos of it but it's 500 quid fine you're like Ugh. yeah i should take it up to the fbi um uh, we, we, got a du- <laughs> double round. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, fixtures again we have a double round of premier division fixtures again I, i'd be a big fan of these double rounds maybe it's just because to find something to you do are it was just to find something See, to I, do. I don't like actually to honest, at all to be honest I don't, but maybe selfishly at this time of the season, I just want to get as many games in as possible and see as many teams. It's mm. obviously, to be honest, that's actually very selfish. Probably not great for players, not great for prep. Not mad them at the season all. And the standard of them. It's just purely because I get to, to go to another game on Monday. Um, but anyway, the Friday games, Shelburne against Dundalk and Tolka, UCD against Derry in the Belfield Bowl, Drada against Sligo Rovers in Head in the Game Park. Hopefully Drada get a good response. Um, through the gate people have to pay Shamrock Rovers bows no issues there sold out and then Finn Harps and St. Pat's and Bally Buffet hopefully some of those pitches are in better nick um, than they were previously done on Monday um, Derry City against Drada Dundalk against Shamrock Rovers just no no pitch issues there just the those artificial ones um, St. Pat's against UCD bows against Shelburne on Monday and Sligo Rovers Finn Harps so there's a little bit of a of a derby vibe to to some of those fixtures. What's on in the first division? Yeah, you know? I'm interested to see um, what the vibe is like. Interesting. At the Carlisle grounds like uh, yeah. on Friday to see how that um, merger, so to speak, is going. Cork City, Cove Ramblers, very. Who are very, playing on Friday? Go United. Oh, okay. Are you I, going I'm at that game? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Cork City, Cove Ramblers, uh, Cove Derby great, again. Great yeah. The weekend Treaty's first home game against Longford Town. It's only Longford's second game, um, and Watford against Wexford. Um, not not to talk about betting, but Wexford were put up a twenty-two to one to beat Watford. It's like what? Um, they're not that bad at all. They've won their last two games. Um, Monday night, Longford Bray at Lone Cove, Galway Treaty, Cork Watford. Oh, massive, re- massive game. I, I didn't realise there was a first division. Yeah. Well, oh yeah. Okay. And I'm in Cheltenham, it's, so I'm it's harder. Yeah, it's just Cork Watford. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit frustrating. That's Cork Watford on a Monday night. Yeah. Um, I know one of. Then our, again, you know the flip side to that is people say that's bad for crowds, but I at least for, they can come for and go players. Back. Although you know, full time players. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, I suppose you have to avoid 
amateur part-time players traveling too far on a Monday night, but obviously that's not an issue for, for Cork. In, in, in fairness to the to these games on the Monday night, like if you have two teams that are relatively close, uh, on the plus side, fans can come and go and be back for work in the morning. Um, so it's not a ridiculous away trip. So like I'd say there still be, will be a lot of Waterford fans in Cork. Spoke to a few Waterford fans. Great Waterford crowd in Galway Friday, actually. Yeah, well, I think the one thing I would say about the crowds this season, the crowds are good. Um, one of the big fears people would have about a longer season is... Uh, paying players for longer mm. and paying players for longer is to do with the length of time you want to be exposed to a contract um, they used to have a situation in the league where some players at a lower level wouldn't be played in, in pre-season um, when the World Cup isn't on the radar next year um, and we, we touched on this with Mark last week and I mean again in fairness to Mark it was great to have him in um, you know wouldn't necessarily have over you know, knocked bolus over with definitive opinions. A lot of it was, well, we'll have to go consult on this and consult on that. It'll be judged by the actions. And I think like the length of the season next year is going to be a big thing. Mm. If we want to believe that this crowd spike can be maintained, then we have to have a degree of confidence that you can push the season out by a week or two longer and hope that, you know, your home crowd and that extra week, you know, that you can find the the gates to to justify keeping your business open for that longer period of time so I hope that's something that if this can be maintained and as I said it's the early season spike let's see where we are in the midpoint of the season but I think certainly uh, we can't have a like you have these midweek rounds as well because of the cram schedule do you know so, just just briefly as well 25% of the crowd at the Galway uh, game Friday where students are under 18 so there are a lot of young people there and they don't give a shit what's on TV on a Friday night they don't that's where we're at it's social media it's TikTok TikTok Galway night have over 50,000 TikTok followers a lot of them are saying this yeah yeah it's, but it's, that's, how many of them did you buy do you reckon um how many what? How many did they buy? Buy? Yeah. I, I don't even know how TikTok works, but I can see there's... You do TikTok in a part exchange for a player. You know, <laughs> it's like you can have him and 30,000 TikTok followers. Alex Murphy, house. Alex Murphy, that could be the deal. Like, mm. you know, you get 30,000 of his goalies. 3,000 people at the game, not bad though in the first yeah, division. Yeah, no, it's good crowds um, everywhere. Treaty will have a big going. crowd, I think, on... Um, on uh, Friday as well. That's it, Dan. For yeah, you'll be away next week. You'll be in. You'll be yeah, in the I don't UK. know how that's going to work. Well, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll get it done without you, Johnny, or e- or even with you. Who knows? Yeah, we'll get it done. Derry City top the league after four games. Not sure we mentioned that. That was episode four. Four. Oh, that always happens.